Welcome and thank you for listening to the Sheepdog Dad podcast. My name is Stuart Jackson and I am the founder and host of the Sheepdog Dad. Visit thesheepdogdad.com to read articles, listen to podcasts such as this, and sign up for coaching geared towards men, young men and boys who wish to become responsible stewards of themselves, their families, and society. Please join us on our journey to protect the flock. In this episode, we are joined by Grand Master Al Garza. Master Garza and his wife, Kim, and their son, Cody, own and operate Al Garza's Premier Martial Arts. They currently have three locations located in League City, Dickinson, and Pearland, Texas. Al began his martial arts training when he was 16 years old and now holds black belt degrees in four different martial arts. But he passionately believes that, quote, sometimes a teacher, always a student. Therefore, he recently began training in another martial art where he is considered a white belt beginner. His positions held or, or certifications earned include a police self-defense tactics instructor, a ladies rape aggression defense instructor, a John Maxwell certified speaker, trainer, and coach, a seven habits of highly effective people certified teacher, a past Rotary Club president, and an ordained minister. Al has traveled to nine countries competing in martial arts tournaments, kickboxing, and training in the martial arts of that country, all the while sharing the gospel as he travels. He says, there is nothing like airplane ministry with a captured audience. Al is currently the Chief Grandmaster of Premier Martial Arts International, which serves 300, over 300 martial arts schools worldwide and Sunawali Boxing in Hamburg, Germany, where he inspires school owners in leadership, faith, and martial arts skill. Al has been married to his wife Kim for 44 years. They have three children and almost a dozen grandchildren. His favorite start to the day is to read God's Word and share a daily devotional with the people under his influence. I first met uh, Master Garza whenever I was approximately eight years old with um, karate training and unfortunately did not continue that karate training just as often happens with parents life got in the way but luckily I was able to reconnect and rejoin Al Garza's Premier Martial Arts approximately a little over four years ago whenever I started my jiu-jitsu training and it's almost as Mal Gar as Master Garza says that the Lord had a hand in directing me on where to go and I'm truly grateful that my martial arts training is with Al Garza's Premier Martial Arts and the coaches that I've been able to find there and the teammates I've been able to be a part of. Enjoy this episode. I think it's going to be very powerful for you. She was living in Mexico mm. and she came to Texas to have me. Mm. And so I just barely made it. Uh. That's the funny part. And I never met my father. Mm. So I don't know about that part of it other than i do know that she once she got here she married a guy hmm. and she had two daughters with him and then she contracted cancer and uh when she contracted cancer i was almost four and uh she didn't want to leave me with him for various reasons mm. that that i've got a different understanding of how that was going down in the, in the sense of trying to understand and it's given me empathy for him because mm. he was not, from what I understand, wasn't 
the best of people to mm. stay with. So she had her cousin adopt me. Mm. And so her cousin, Pas Garza and Ruben Garza adopted me. They had an older daughter and, and son that was older than me. So I went from being the oldest of three to being the youngest of three. Mm -hmm. In that transition, my mother, Pas Garza, who adopted me, you know, after my mom passed, um, she would take me to go see my sisters or my stepfather would bring my sisters to come see me over in Alvin where mm -hmm. we lived at Bradshaw's Nursery. And during that time, um, one time he, I was taken over to see them at my stepdad's mom's house. When it came time to leave, he abducted me mm -hmm. and, and took me into the, into the garage and was trying to hide me. It was kind of stupid, you know. I mean, his his mom came out and it was like they found him and they found us. And he had his hand over my mouth. And you know, I'm I'm three, almost. I guess by then I'm four years old, and I can still remember like flashes. It's not like real vivid, but it's flashes of it, you know. So after that, I'm we're told at at uh, our home in Dick in uh, Alvin. At Bradshaw's Nursery, my mom worked there, and so did my step, my new father. He was a truck driver, and she was kind of a foreman over the ladies that worked at this nursery. And when my stepdad brought my sisters before that, so after that happened, she w we were told that we had to go hide, and somebody had to go get her any time he came. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of things like that, it, it drove me to say, man, nobody should have to live like that. You know, and when I say we are sheepdog in training, never wolves, mm. that's what I think about, you know, is that, you know, I wanted to provide a place for kids to come where they could be safe, they could learn self-defense, they could learn confidence, but I really wanted to make a bunch of champions, you know, mm -hmm. and tournament play and, and that kind of thing, because was, that was what was helping me. So I wanted to pass that on. Goal setting was big, everything about that, you know. So that was my mission. For years, I was doing like self-defense for women and children, and I just had this passion that I really wanted to help people, and I just didn't really know where it was coming from until I matured a little bit more. Then I started realizing, well, that's what they call a transitional figure. You know, when some a transitional figure is someone who who has some negatives in their life, and they don't pass those on to the next generation. Mm -hmm. You know, so fortunately, I found Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's where things started changing, I believe. And and I do appreciate your honesty with that. I never knew that story yeah. of of your upbringing, and so so yeah, I'm glad I hit record on that, Master Garcia. That's very powerful. It? Yes, sir. Wow. That's very powerful. And well, let's see. Well, let me hit pause real quick. That carried you through on your career of you know working with. Of course, Chuck Norris, and I believe there's even been some movies involved that you did some training on. Yeah, I and a couple of little, little don't, it's one of those don't blink or you'll miss <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, um, would you like, is there anything you'd like to touch on from, you know, that experience? And it sounds like whenever your mother's cousin uh, adopted you, it sounded like you went from a unstable situation to something with, a lot more stability and a lot more, a lot better family environment. 
Well, here's here's the deal. Yes, it was a, it was a much better environment, and the my Ruben Garza, who adopted me, passed away about a year later. Mm -hmm. So I wound up, you know, I have a lot of love for my mom because of the fact that, you know, she adopted me and then had to raise me and her two kids. Mm -hmm. So she, so we wound up with a single mom working a lot, you know, and she eventually married a guy and, and uh, there was another man in the, in our life as a, as a father, stepfather for a while. And uh, I think that was still added to stability. Mm-hmm more so and uh and then just through those years always wanting to do martial arts mm -hmm. there there's a, a a story behind that i can tell that i think it'd be interesting to, to tell that well yeah let's um, let's kind of go there on what sparked your interest in martial arts right. and and because it obviously was a bug that you caught that you have carried right. with you for well, your first of all life. bruce lee was my favorite <laughs> teacher at that time <laughs> you know the movies the inspiration behind bruce lee was was crazy good for me uh, i would go watch his movies and i would i would go you know do it my martial arts in the backyard and all that you know just <laughs> did you have the every, homemade everything with, oh man you you name it you know i i, I became bruce lee in my head you know <laughs> And, uh, you know, I had cousins that were doing martial arts and uh, they were the Benavides family is, is the name, uh, Jesse Benavides, his daughter, Cynthia and Annette Benavides. And uh, Jesse's wife, Rosie, was my cousin and married him. And that's how he became my cousin. And and they started martial arts before me. And so I, I used to travel and go, watch them compete. And um, we went to a tournament one time after watching them compete for, for a long time. We went to a tournament in Louisiana. And at that time, they would have the tournament, and they had nighttime finals, and then they'd have a party afterwards. We were at the party, and uh, my cousin, Rosie, introduced me to George Minshew. Who, who George Minshew has a, a, a pretty popular name for Texas martial arts from the 70s and 80s maybe even the, the late 60s, mostly the 70s and 80s, 90s, all the way up even now. He, he had what was called the Black Belt Academies in, in, uh, in the Houston area. So he had one on Telephone Road and Gulf Freeway. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met, I was introduced to him. My cousin told him that I was interested. He said, I have a special going on, of course. <laughs> what a good salesman, right? So that next week I went to school and uh, Jack Helton was a good friend of mine. We were in a class together, and I told him about that, and he had just got him a brand-new Pinto. And so he's like, I'll drive us there. I said, awesome. So we'll go. We start training there, and then he went off to college. So I lost my ride, but fortunately I had received a, a car for, for my birthday, and uh, I wasn't supposed to be driving it, but I'm telling the secrets. I was driving it. <laughs> But one day I just realized, you know, I wanted to train with my cousins and I winded up in Houston mm -hmm. on the opposite side and they were in Galveston training. So I transitioned, I decided I was gonna switch over to, 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 to Galveston. And so I started training in Galveston. There was a little tr time in there between r moving from uh, Black Belt Academies out of, out of Houston to the training in, in Galveston. And there was a couple of instructors and then Grandmaster, June, uh, Grandmaster Ishmael Robles graduated from college and came home and took over the program. Mm -hmm. 
And so I hit that still my grandmaster. And uh, this was 1975-ish, and we're training in, in a what was called the Lulac Hall. It was a, a little hall that was a, where they did parties and dances and stuff. And then eventually he, he uh, opened a school right across from a, a grocery store that they had there. So we still have, it's pretty awesome. God's provided a lot of long-term relationships with me. And this gentleman was a, a great, he, he, he is a great. He, he uh, became a world champion kickboxer. I think you should do a <laughs> podcast with him okay. someday. I think it would be awesome. Mm -hmm. I think he, he, he had just graduated from college with a law degree, but he wanted up opening a martial mm. arts school and making a career for himself, point fighting and kickboxing. He became the U.S. champion first in kickboxing, and then he became the world champion mm. in kickboxing. Won a few different titles, world champions. Had a series of overhand uh, right overhand rights knockouts in the first round within a two-minute time mm. frame. Several in conse consecutive. And uh, I'll have to show you some of his videos sometime. Yeah, yes, sir. I think you would enjoy that. So that was my, my start. Then, um, you know, I, I, I had a rough time as a teenager sometime because I had a lot of freedom I had you know sometimes not the best examples that I was hanging out with and I wasn't the best example to hang out with for a season of time there either um, but I wanted up moving out of my house from Dickinson to my sister and brother-in-law's house for a short while for two years I guess it was and uh, my brother-in-law was in martial arts too he was a little older than me and brother-in-law was a higher belt he had, he was in the air force and and traveled around and, and started martial arts in there so when he came here he started training with us and then he and i decided we wanted to, to open a school together mm. and so we wanted to open one in dickinson and uh so we got the blessings of of grandmaster robles at that time to open and uh, i was working at amico as a operator and he was working at carbide as an operator mm. so between the two of us we had shift work mm -hmm. and we we had to manage for all of one of us to always be there mm -hmm. you know so like i was saying we put up a 500 dollars each we found that location right across from Marais there in dickinson it was it was right in there in that little shopping strip at that time there was a 7-eleven in there and um so we, it was 800 square feet. He had a bag. We hung it. We put a desk in the corner, and we put a payphone in. We threw a demonstration, and we signed up about 20 students, and we got started. And about seven months into it, he came to me. He had, he had come in up with a problem, and he came to me and sold out to me for $1,000. Mm. So I became the sole proprietor, me and Kim, mm -hmm. my wife Kim. At that time, we were just dating. We were... We had actually moved in together and were living together, yeah. had not uh, gotten married yet. Um, but so the two of us took over completely and, and just started running it. And uh, one thing led to another. It was amazing because, you know, my confidence was, was that I could teach kids because I was a very shy young man. Yeah. I was very shy. And, and uh, I don't know, I just in my mind, I was going to teach a bunch of kids. I was bombarded with adult students that were businessmen that owned their own businesses or or had president positions in in the local community and they became my teachers mm. i mean they just really taught me so much about business about life and and i taught them martial arts 
what limited martial arts I really had. I was a brown belt. Both of us were brown belts when we opened our mm -hmm. school. And uh, so one thing led to another. And uh, we, I had a dream to, to build a school. And I, everything I was studying then was about goal setting and about, you know, visualization and about dreaming, you know, dreams coming true through actions and that kind of thing. And, and so one day a guy came in on the day that I resigned from Amico and I, I, and I was getting out of the car I was coming in and Charlie Goodson was his name. He pulled up and said that he had visited before was looking into it and he was ready to get signed up. Mm -hmm. And he, and I was excited cause I had just resigned that day from Amico. I was about to dive in and be full time mm -hmm. now. And, and I was, I was uh, going to put carpet on the, on the floor. We had this tile floor that was, I don't know. It was just tile floor on there, so we would replace that. He says, he says, well, I'm a contractor. He says, uh, I can do that for you. And he says, I'll, I'll barter with you. So this was my first bartering deal. Mm -hmm. So, three hundred twenty dollars worth of carpet. I gave him a lifetime membership <laughs> for three hundred twenty dollars worth of carpet. I'm gonna yeah. tell you, I've sold lifetime memberships <laughs> now for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Or more, you know, and so it was like when I think about that, it's so funny to think where I was, how small that was, mm -hmm. but yet how big that was at the same time. And so I started dreaming about building a school. And this guy came in one day, years later, after that, a couple of years later, he came in one day and he says, you know, the the building business right now was really challenged. The economy was really challenged. Mm -hmm. He says, I got a win-win for you. And I don't think he used those words, win-win, but he says, I got an offer for you. I think we'll both be able to win in, in it. And he says, I, I can get you a loan to build the build, building that you've been dreaming about because I'd always share that with him. We became really good friends. And he says, he says I, uh, I can get, build it for you and get you the loan, and then you'll pay a little bit above the note up until this point, and then it'll be yours. Mm. And we didn't have the money, really, to do it on our own, but God provided this guy. And so the guy wanted to be very significant in our life. I mean, he built me. At that time, I was dreaming 2,000 square feet. Now, if you're in 800 square feet, 2,000 square feet is two and a half times mm -hmm. on, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought I was dreaming big. Well, it turned out to be 4,000 square feet, which was twice that you know and so everything came in abundance and i just saw that as a principle that i was living by and that god provided that in, in abundance and it was really neat we built it here in dickinson on holly street uh it was very popular place at, at for for a while that's where you trained when you were a kid huh i whenever uh i was a kid it was actually at the league city okay. location <laughs> Okay. And I remember. Then you're not old enough to have been at that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I remember training at the Leake City location with uh, a female instructor. I remember she was blonde. I'll have to look for a picture. Yeah, uh, I cannot blonde. remember her name for the life of me. Whoa. But uh, going back to probably Melanie Clay, that or may have Ash been it. or Ashley Smith. It may have been Melanie. Uh -huh. That that sounds familiar. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about um, you were. You were obviously had a lot of irons in the fire whenever you started the business mm -hmm. because you were still working full time right. and you were still training under your grandmaster because right. you were you were a brown belt so you still had yes, to keep sir. up with your training yes, while being a brand new entrepreneur right. and figuring it out on your own. 
what was that like the entrepreneurial journey of these men who wanted wanted your martial arts training and then you found well i need your entrepreneurial knowledge that was beautiful yeah you know i mean it really taught me a lot about how important relationships are Mm -hmm. i mean i have so many lessons in life that that have been just proving how important it is it's some you've heard the saying it's not just what you know it's who you know Mm -hmm. well i got to live through this a lot of that kind of thing because the relationships were so important you know like i said they they um they became my teachers you know we we learned from each other Mm -hmm. um the entrepreneur part of it this guy charlie goodson he really taught me a lot he had his own business like i said and and he he kind of worked with me through that um building of that school and I was competing during that time. Mm. And, you know, I think that a lot of time people see where you're at when you are when you're, have a certain amount of success, and they don't see what it took to get there. They don't see mm-hmm. how a person maybe goes out of their way to serve and give to the community or to help somebody and how people come up and help you. Um, during that time, while we started building that school, it was in 1979, and I was competing, and there was an event in Austin coming up that was, if I won it, I would have represented Texas and gone into another region, mm-hmm. and it was, it was going to happen to be in Colorado, and so this event was in Austin, and so I go, I'd been training hard, I'd been winning, I'd, you know, so I got to compete in this event, and so I am fighting this guy, and all of a sudden I call timeout. And I go to the corner, and the the EMT comes up, and he looks at my arm, and he says, I don't know, man. He says, uh, it, it's swelling abnormally, but I don't know if it's broken or not. And so I quickly assessed the situation. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, I, I want to finish. So I put my left arm between my, my leg, and I fought from here. Mm-hmm. And I finished that fight and won it. Mm-hmm. Then I fought two more fights and won them. So I won the championship, mm-hmm. but... In order to go to the region, they were taking a grand championship that was based on the number of points you scored. Mm. I missed it by one point. But what happened there was I needed – God did something there. I don't, I don't think he caused my break, but it was an opportunity for me to pay attention to building that school. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I was so focused on training, fighting, competing, traveling, everything that that took, and it, put, it, it grounded me. Mm-hmm. enough to pay attention to that so bouncing back from that was amazing because i was able to focus on building that school and then i came back strong uh, first i started out with a pad just on my arm and then eventually i lost the pad mm-hmm. and it turned out that i had a broken arm and uh the next i drove back from austin kim had to drive actually <laughs> and i was with uh, this on a pillow on with ice on it and next day I went to Clear Lake, found out it, it was broken. Mm-hmm. And because the radius broke without the other one breaking, they uh, had to put a plate and four mm-hmm. screws in it. So when I came back from that, I competed with, with just a pad, and eventually I just got rid mm-hmm. of that and came back just as strong. So it, I thought that was an interesting story in that, number one, I had a big why. I, I wanted to win the championship, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I risked whatever I had to risk but it was a calculated risk mm-hmm. and I was able to still, I think it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know? and now, and that's just one of those lessons that 
is applicable across many aspects of right. your life because right. as a business owner you have to be that's ready I, to take exactly. that calculated risk right and that's and when you talk about entrepreneurship you know how many economies you think there's been since the day I opened 1976 to now? Well, I, I do know, and <laughs> I... Um, I didn't live through it, of course. I wasn't born until 86, but in 1980, I know there was a very bad recession. That yeah. that, um, that led to my dad finding his second career out of construction into law enforcement because he just he needed to put food on the table right. uh, for he and my mom. So yeah. I know that that was a, a very tough time in right. the economy, and you're running a business that is not that some would say is not a necessity you're trying to get people with some uh extra income that can afford that and so right. i'm sure there were some it's just like what you said where the overnight success people don't see yeah, the, the struggle, struggle the right. stress a lot of overnight success is a three five seven year overnight success that yeah, yeah. in this case it's going to be 2023 is 50 years ago that I started martial arts. Mm. 2026 will be 50 years that I opened my school. Mm -hmm. So having that, you know, and moving forward from from that that time, building that school, um, you know, we built that school and then we opened a school in League City. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we opened that school in League City, we had some hardship happen there. The the one who was going to open be my manager at league city winded up contracting cancer mm. and um it, it just created some some rough struggles mm -hmm. and you know i think we grow out of those struggles in a way that as long as you don't quit mm -hmm. you know, i like to say you know you got to delete the quit option mm -hmm. when there is no quit option whether it's in a marriage a business when when quitting is not an option you're going to find a solution mm -hmm. you're going to find a solution to the problem hmm. and that's fortunately been what we've been able to do um but when we opened that school we wound up with we wound up shutting down dickinson which which i thought was going to be just a short while and it turned out to be several years mm. and then we came back and reopened where we're at now mm -hmm. in dickinson and in, in uh in it would have been 2008 hmm. and so that's now we've got a major expansion happening there. And mm -hmm. again, I have to give 100% glory to God. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'll show you that little thing right yes, there. Sir. That's JJ. The story is that, that uh, Sab Sabak, what's mm -hmm. his name? Sebastian Bach. Yes, sir. Was uh, a, ma a major creator of cantatas, cantatas. And he had a habit of of whenever he would write a cantata, he would put JJ he'd script script that uh, scribble that on the on the top, and then he would write his cantata, and at the end he put SDG, and JJ is in English is Jesus help me. Mm. So I'm a Tex-Mex who's mm. saying Hesuhova. Mm -hmm. That's what it says there, but in English it's Jesus help me. Yes, sir. And I can see t days when I'm on my knees, have been on my knees, just crying out to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I loved that when I heard this. It was in a book called All In by Mark Batterson that I found, learned this. Hey, guys, just want to jump on here and just explain. We had some slight audio issues during recording, but we're going to pick the conversation back up with Master Garza talking about how God has always provided and the conversation just continues to be a very good one. So you guys just stand by and enjoy the rest of the podcast.
my wife and I, Charlie Goodson, mm -hmm. the guy that built my place, he walks in one day. Kim and I had just come from the accountant. We had been living together. The accountant says, you guys would be better off uh, married mm -hmm. for your taxes purposes. So we come back to the school, and here comes Charlie again, just like by coincidence, mm -hmm. right? Well, there are no coincidences when it comes to the Lord, you mm -hmm. know. He, do, he works us. He, he puts things in line for us, divinely arranged things. Well, he did that. This guy comes in, and we're, we're kind of, you know, we just came from the accountant, so I'm telling him, well, this accountant said this. He says, I'll take care of everything if you guys do it. <laughs> this was a Monday. Mm -hmm. That next Sunday, we got married. And he arranged, did all the arrangements. He sent me with his partner to go get rings in Houston, we all we had to do was get the place and get who who was going to marry us, mm -hmm. and we did that at Tall Timber Apartments Convention or their rec room. So that I thought that was interesting yeah. that how God works relationships. This guy was an amazing amazing guy in our in our life, helping us out there. Mm -hmm. And with with your faith in God and God providing. Have you always had that faith from your upbringing? Was that something that, that well, Kim brought into your life? Well, I have my grandma that was my, was Paz Garza's mom, mm -hmm. Guadalupe Perez was her name. She, to me, she was like Mother Teresa. She was. We spent a lot of time with her and Isabel, who was my grandfather, and she was like a mother Teresa, man. Uh, when I think of her, I, I see her with her hands mm -hmm. in prayer hands, or I see her with the Bible. And we were raised in the Catholic church during mm -hmm. that time. And so when Kim and I got together, we were going to throw our first tournament and we were looking for a location to throw our first tournament as a promoter. And so we went at Baptist first Baptist church here in town. They have a gym. Mm -hmm. So we rented their gym in the process, in the process of doing that, we met some, cool people mm -hmm. that were just really kind and loving and one of them I knew from school mm -hmm. and uh, Mark Kaler was his name and uh, so anyway we, we wound up throwing a tournament we opened with prayer and we closed with prayer and so that kind of set a precedence in the tournaments in Texas for mm -hmm. a while there where where I became the token prayer guy <laughs> and another man was the singer and mm -hmm. he sang the national anthem so we would do this at tournaments for so, some time so after that we started going what i the way i remember it and i don't know how long this was but if i said we we're going to church we went to the catholic church mm -hmm. if kim said we were going to church we went to the baptist church and then one day we're sitting in there and the pastor is preaching on the message that it's better to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in the depths of the sea than it is to cause one of God's children to stumble and fall. Mm. And at that time, I didn't feel like I was the guy that was more like I was the guy that could cause somebody to stumble mm. and fall. And so I felt like he was just like, like me and you are right mm -hmm. here. <laughs> like he was talking to me the whole time. So when they gave the invitation at the end, Kim jumped up and went to the front. <laughs> And my heart was beating out my chest already, and I was like, not, not really understanding. But when she went, I I did know I needed to go, mm -hmm. so I went forward, changed our life completely. Mm -hmm. I mean, after that, we had been married for a year by that point, mm -hmm. 
and uh, it was a rough year mm. on her because of me. Mm. And uh, we still managed to run our business and do everything. I had already resigned Amico and was working full time in the school, and but it changed our life. I mean, mm. I'd like to say everything got perfect, but it started turning that in that direction, mm -hmm. and things had. I mean, that's the best thing I can say ever happened to Kim and me, mm -hmm. you know, particularly for her because it trans started transforming me. And I fell in love with God's Word. I mean, I just really loved His Word and, and just um, made a practice. My mentors back then, I've been blessed to be with world champions or world world-class uh, people who were responsible for bringing the martial arts to this country and I've had one-on-one -on -one relationships mm -hmm. with them and been able to train with them and actually wind up being their spiritual mentors, mm -hmm. spiritual guides. So some names like June Ree, mm -hmm. I didn't really become his spiritual guide, but I had a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with him about how we, how we do things and how he did things. Uh, Emmy, Remy Presses brought Modern Arnese from the Philippines to the United States. He stayed in my house, mm. trained. We, when he came and trained, he would train, do seminars, and we would train my key people in the backyard mm. here, and we would do, it, do things like that. Big names. My grandmaster, Ishmael Robles, mm. world champion. June Reeve brought Taekwondo from, the, from Korea to the United States, mm. was the first guy. He's the guy that designed the sparring equipment. So God had a plan for mm -hmm. me that if I had not said yes, Lord, on that day, I would have never known that plan. And I can say with seeing especially the kids' classes of what is what is preached, not just from you, but from from the other instructors of patriotism, respect to the to your parents, Christianity. Right, yeah. Have you ever in your almost fifty years of business, have you ever had a patron come to you and say, Hey, I don't like the the Christianity that's being pushed and yeah. uh I, I imagine you would politely tell them, "Well, this may not be the school for you if that right. if that's how you feel." Yeah. So, well, definitely did. I was very naive when I first became born again. I was really on fire and I was excited. And I've always taught. I've always learned by teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's if I'm learning something, I'm going to teach it. And I, my students have been the beneficiaries or the victims <laughs> however you want to look at it you know depending on what your own faith mm -hmm. is but i've always tried to tell people i you know i have two goals number one if you embrace my jesus awesome that's what i'll pray for mm -hmm. but if you don't I, I just want to help you be the best you can be be a decent human being mm -hmm. and not be a part of the problems that this world has because of whatever drugs alcohol whatever causes people to kill steal and destroy mm -hmm. uh you know we are against that mm -hmm. and i'm not going to force the religion on anybody but this is we are faith-based mm -hmm. we don't hide that we we believe that we're making a better world one one black belt at a time and we're building a, a, a culture of greatness in god's eyes mm -hmm. and that's what we work on yes sir and and what you said earlier about learning through teaching, one of your sayings is sometimes a teacher, always a student. That's right. I know that's been something that you have instilled in, in us and as students of yours and also into the instructors. And is that something that 
you just came to the realization one day of of that you're you always want to be a student or did you know that just from the very beginning of your martial arts training you know i, th I think a lot of it is measuring up you know it started off being a thing of always trying to be enough you know i mean you start off as a brown belt mm. in a business what do you know mm -hmm. you know you gotta you, you, you gotta work towards that um I had a friend send me a, uh, it was a, a proposal that he sent to his local college to have martial arts be in their PE program, mm -hmm. and it was put a spark in your PE program. Mm -hmm. So when he sent it to me, he told me, hey, you ought to send it to your local college. So I sent it to College of the Mainland. Mm -hmm. So I sent it there, and then I get a response saying that it was a reject because I was not, I didn't have a college background. Mm -hmm. So this is a, one of those stories of uh, it's not what you know only, it's mm -hmm. who you know. So I, I said, well, you know, this is a good time for me to start going to college because I, I had not, I, I went out of high school. My college was my martial arts. Mm -hmm. I was working at Amico, and I, I had a good job. It was mm -hmm. a good paying job. Mm -hmm. I'd probably be retired now, <laughs> you know, yeah. probably yeah. better off financially maybe. I don't know. But I do know this, that that – when I threw the, did that and started college, after my first semester there, I had taken a uh, a exercise class that the the instructor of it came to me afterwards. Him and another guy that worked at the college, they came up to me and said, "Hey, hey, how would you like to do your karate program here?" <laughs> and I'm like, "What about?" Well, they said, "Well, there's a way for you to do that based on your specialty," and so we started karate one there. Then the police academy found out I was mm -hmm. out there, so they invited me to teach the police academy. As the year went on, I wound up with Karate 1, Karate 2, teaching the police academy, teaching the sheriff's academy, teaching the prison guards, and having me and a couple of other people out there, and I had my Dickinson and League City mm -hmm. school. Then I started having kids. <laughs> As if you weren't busy enough. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it just shows how what's possible mm -hmm. When you have a mission, my mission was still the same as, I, you know, when I, when I went to be an instructor. I wanted to give the police officers a way to get home safe mm -hmm. and to do a professional job out there. And so that was my mission there, which was very much like here. I wanted my kids and my single moms and people to be safe wherever they were at. Mm -hmm. And so it was just consistent mission wherever I was at. And I'm still involved in police work we go to college, to uh austin a couple times a year and train the cadets mm -hmm. up there we, we we are involved in in training the cadets here at college of mainland still and from time to time we get called to, to do various things i've been to west point oh i did not know that yeah uh -huh. one of my students jose aguilar at the age of 12 or 13 we're going to galveston one day to a tournament meet just me and him and I say, hey, uh, Jose, what are your goals? Just making conversation. Mm -hmm. He says, sir, I want to go to West Point. Not like, very, what? <laughs> yep, not very often you hear that. No. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, he goes to, he goes to West Point. Mm -hmm. And that's at 18. Mm -hmm. And at, as a senior, he is now the – he was at that time the, the uh, karate team captain. Mm. And they were going to fight Navy. Mm. So I get invited to go up there to train them. So I go there and I train them and get to teach their close quarter combat class and meet all these guys, you know, 18 to 22-year-old 
athletes mm-hmm. and brilliance, you know, the great guys. I mean, so then I f- go back for the graduation, and at the graduation, they gather around me at a party after the graduation, and they present me with a trophy because they had beat Navy. Oh, wow. Now, fast forward. This was 1983. Mm. Fast forward last this last uh, 4th of July, they had a reunion in Hawaii, and they flew me in. <laughs> To train them again. Oh, that's great. Is that also? And now, now they're all fathers of their own. They're, and, they're, yeah. uh, they're, uh, they have their own stories that are amazing. You know, I got to listen to all their stories and, and like I said, train them and hang out with them. And it was cool to see, you know, several years later, I was 40 years later, I think something like that. And this guy, Jose, he, he, he just resi- retired from, from the army mm-hmm. as a, as a colonel. Mm-hmm. And he comes and speaks to our our black belt candidate class every year, and shares a little bit of his story and just teaches us about leadership. Yes, sir. I mean, what what an amazing guy! And their family was is an amazing family. Mm-hmm. A lot to talk about there. That's a that is a truly awesome experience. Like what you said of just things coming full full circle of a student that you had, and then watching him become the man that he did, father. Yes. So. Well, and and with uh, not only with multiple locations for your business, multiple uh, agencies you're helping train, plus you were becoming a father, you also have delved into, let's see, you are just continuing to better yourself in ways that you can. And so what has led to... Well, I think I'm going to answer my own question with always seeking that self-improvement, but I think I answer my own question with sometimes a teacher and always a student. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. Well, I think what I was saying about about the uh, business people and the, the adults who started as training under me right off the bat, one of them was uh, a guy who had an insurance agency over in Santa Fe and opened the, the, uh, just the whole door to that that type of training, um, you know, his lead the field series was amazing. It, you know, he says the strangest secret in the world is we become what we think about. Mm. And, uh, you know, there were, there was a lot on, on self-talk that was being taught back then and the importance of, you know, at that time they were saying 90% of our self-talk is negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I took that serious and, and did my best to, to have positive self-talk and to find these principles of success. And, and you know, I, I, my, I filtered everything through God's Word. Eventually, the, there's a scripture that's Joshua 1.8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate on it day and night, being careful to do according to all that is written, and you'll be prosperous and successful. And so... I was learning what prosperity and success meant. Mm-hmm. What does it mm-hmm. mean? What does it mean to the world? And what does it mean in God's eyes? Mm-hmm. And that's that was my search for greatness and that understanding. And so, read. They say leaders are readers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're not a reader, become one. Yes, because uh, my college education ended at some point because of the responsibilities as an entrepreneur, as a servant, and the things that I did. I stopped going to college thinking I was going to go back, mm. uh, but I've just had a lot to do. Yeah, that's right. You yes, know, sir. You, you know, so 
been a little bit, a little busy. And so, but, yeah, I, so. but I have libraries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of books in my there that that I have read some multiple times, and there's a lot that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's my passion is 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 reading and learning and trying to apply it and trying to teach it mm-hmm. and lead it by example as much as I can. Well, and now, and of course, fast forwarding from the 90s through the 2000s and now to 2022, you've got three PMA locations. Your school obviously went from, you know, just a standalone to being associated with the Premier Martial Arts franchise. And you are, I want to make sure I get your title right for for PMA. You are the Chief Grandmaster of Premier Martial Arts International, serving how many students worldwide? It's about th- over 300 schools oh. right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, over 300 schools worldwide. I know within the last 18 months you traveled, if not the last 12 months, you traveled to Germany for PMA schools training. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we was doing that annually before uh, the COVID. Mm-hmm. COVID mm-hmm. kind of s- shut us down. Okay. But we're about to re- where I'm going yeah. to get to go back and, and do that. I go there annually and test their people. I have a relationship with Jamil Tarkani, who was introduced to me by the Grandmaster of, of our niece. We were both training with with Remy Presses at mm-hmm. the time, and I met him in Germany, and uh, Remy told him that when he was here in the United States to come train with me. So, so Jamil tra- was traveling and competing in national tournaments and point-fighting tournaments, and so he would come, stay with me a couple of weeks, train, and then go compete. Mm. And so he and I spent 25 years doing that, at least once a year. Mm-hmm. And we spent time at Starbucks. Once Starbucks came around, and we would solve the problems of the world. <laughs> he would tell me about Germany and what it was like living in Germany and doing martial arts and having a school there. And I would tell him about ours and... And I was actually sewing into him. And then one day he asked me to be the grandmaster of his organization. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I know one of the things also that you teach, not just with your faith, with the faith-based program, is the, you're very big into Stephen Covey. Uh, you've taken his seven habits of highly effective people, and you have implemented your eight habits of highly effective people. So right. why don't we kind of touch on that on what people should, you know, whether they come to PMA or not, what's, you know, let's look at these habits of what they can do to, like what you say, if you're not going to become, uh, just to become the best person that the, that you right. can be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey is just a great work. It's uh, principles that are timeless and universal. They're going to be true forever. And I've learned that by studying them, by pursuing them, becoming certified to teach them, and then teaching them for for multiple years uh, through boot camps, through every year our black belt class of that year has been as many as right now this year is our biggest by about 10 which is about 107 109 people who are training to test for first degree this year is our first year to have an eighth degree black belt mm-hmm. it's going to be testing which is the first level of grandmaster and so i teach those guys those habits and i have them do reports on it and I've watched people who take it and apply it and, and become highly successful and highly effective in their lives. 
then I've watched people suffer because they didn't take it serious. Mm. They didn't apply it. They they have it as knowledge, but it was potential, but it wasn't ever exercised. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I've had to pick up pieces because of that. And, uh, you know, I'm honored to help anybody wherever they're at, but sometimes it's really tough to bring somebody back. And, I mean, it's been as bad as seeing people die because of not applying it, mm. you know, mm -hmm. from doing things that, Maybe they wouldn't have done had they applied it, mm -hmm. um, for sure. Um, so the seven habits in teaching that I developed with the help of Mark Briggs, a student, a friend who started out as a parent of uh, his two children who were training, and he started doing boot camps, and he started taking notes and started creating this 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 chart, and this chart has come from from various places. And it's a, it's it's very rich in wisdom. Uh, it has the seven habits. It has characteristics that go along with those seven habits. It has body language, actions that help you be active and make you think about words that that can activate positive actions, and uh, power questions to help you get unstuck mm -hmm. if your brain is not thinking like it needs to. These power questions can lead to get a, get it going and keep it going. And it has scripture. It has uh, scriptures that, you know, I, when I was learning these things, as I was studying them, I would go to my pastors and I'd say, hey, where's the Bible talk about this? And and I would purge it through the Word of God. So this is the result, is this chart. Mm -hmm. And I teach it and I pass it out to my students and, and share that with them. And let's see, I know I said we'll get that put up on the blog too but let's uh how why don't you read it off master garza there your eight habits why don't you read off your well, the, well oh. one of the ways that i pass on the wisdom that we pass on to our students whether it's biblical or whether it's just principles that are important principles that are always going to be true uh, is through bookmarks and so this one stephen covey came up with the eighth habit years later um it's been probably I think it was the early 20s, 20, um, somewhere in there. Anyway, he he came up with eighth habit, and I love that idea. But he says the the first seven habits is it brings you to a point of being highly effective in your life, and the eighth habit is you move into greatness because now you're being significant in people's lives. So the first seven habits are be proactive. And uh, the, the virtue is initiative or the action habit. Number two is begin with end in mind, and that's creativity, using your, your right mind and being able to be a creative person to solve problems, being a solution person. And then number three is putting first things first, and, and that adds to productivity. That's the habit of priority, prioritizing our life and, and our schedule. And then going to think win-win, you're moving from – Private victories of managing yourself as a leader, habits one, two, and three, and then habits four, five, and six is moving into interdependence and thinking win-win, seeking first to understand, then to be understood. That's empathy, really listening to understand. Most people will listen to talk. They're thinking about what they're going to say while you're talking to them, and this is about really being understood. When you When you take time to listen to people, it's like giving them oxygen, mm -hmm. you know, that's, there's nothing better in a relationship than really seeking to understand and listening to somebody thoroughly. And the sixth habit is synergize. And that's, that's valuing the differences. 
Covey, I love Covey. He says you can you can tolerate, you can accept, or you can celebrate the differences. I think about that. I don't. I don't. I'm not very blessed by being tolerated. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm blessed by celebrating when somebody celebrates differences, and we can really come together and synergize because we're not looking at it exactly the same. They say if everybody's the same, somebody's not needed. You know, that's true. So yeah. then you got the seventh habit is sharpen the saw, and that's consistency. And then we're leaping from effectiveness to greatness. Find your voice and inspire others to find theirs, and that's from effectiveness to greatness. Yeah. And so, uh, so with your chart that you have here that I'll put up on the blog, so the habits, those all come from Stephen Covey, but the character trait, body language, key question to ask yourself, and the scripture, that all comes from yourself. and That's from the pursuit of the, in a lot of the, the, the martial arts industry, I've, I've got great friends that, who've sewn into me and taught me some things, uh, some masters and grandmasters along the way. It taught me the characteristics, the 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 uh, you know the power questions. A lot of that Tony Robbins, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. different leaders like that. That and it just all came together as you know as I try to develop a a powerful way to impact people for Christ mm-hmm. or for just success. Yes, sir. You know, and and I know one of the well, I I do want to ha- ask a follow up question for this these teachings how has it been with because of course seeing the black belt candidates they're anywhere from adults to today we have from nine years old to wow 70 oh wow 74 i believe was the oldest today and today we just had a morning class Mm -hmm. and in this morning class um like i said they're going from first degree all the way up to eighth degree and it's pretty amazing we got several Who's Who in Algars of Martial Arts are testing this year. Yeah. I have two grandchildren <laughs> and my son. My son's testing for sixth degree, Cody, mm-hmm. Master Cody, and his son, Mason, mm-hmm. which is his oldest of four boys, mm-hmm. four grandsons. <laughs> what a blessing yes, sir. to get four grandsons from one man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How has it been seeing, because you've even said you felt that your calling was much more to inspire and encourage children how's it been trying to implement these effective habits into a nine-year-old like what you said well i think it's pretty awesome because you know when you test there's some some organizations they test by age you you have to be a certain Mm -hmm. age to do this i've never adapted that into ours i've always done gone by maturity Mm -hmm. so if somebody is mature enough to sit through the training that we do and to go through all the training that we do, that's one step. Mm-hmm. Next thing is that they grow and that they, and I've been wowed by young people standing up in front of a crowd and speaking publicly to them wisdom that's being passed on to them. And um, so I've never, I've learned it's not their age, it's their maturity that we're after. Covey teaches the, the maturity continuum it is dependence. Mm-hmm. We all become dependent. We come into something dependent. Mm-hmm. And that's how we are born. That's how we start anything. We're dependent on being taught. And then you get independence. And the problem is that with independence is we sometimes stop growing. Mm-hmm. And if we stop growing there, then we never really get 
to be a resourceful person because our resources come out of the relationships that we have mm -hmm. and that's interdependence mm -hmm. the team that we're on it and the habits teach you that 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 dependence wish more people would implement it would take it you know as opposed to just oh it's a one day hr retreat because my job said i had to go and but it's not just for in the workplace this is being a leader in your home and in your community and uh honestly self-assessing where you right. can improve and and so it takes the right kind of person to take that information and apply it this is early in the in my studies of the seven habits i was there to look to train and we're like in a foyer area mm -hmm. before we walk in and these people who were being sponsored by their companies were there and they were complaining about it yeah yeah they were complaining about being there and here i was paying i think i was paying fifteen hundred dollars yeah. to be there at that time fifteen hundred dollars it's a lot of money yeah. now <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of money then for me and, and you got I'm three like, kids at home yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, so so i wanted to say one more thing you know i'm very blessed and without God, it wouldn't be possible. But with God, all things are possible. That's the beliefs that I kind of picked up. Having a little bit of a rough start in my life, mm -hmm. I needed the positivity that that the Bible has when it when Paul, some of Paul's things that he says, you know, he says, I can do all things through Christ mm -hmm. who strengthens me. And, you know, however I looked at it, I don't think I was completely on understanding, but I just applied it in a positive way. And it led me in a positive direction mm -hmm. so nobody can contradict that for me mm -hmm. nobody can look down and condemn me for that because i did not totally understand it but the way i applied it it helped me and it helped people mm -hmm. and i will continue to do that i'm still in love with those aspects of the bible i'm, I'm not one of those guys that likes to talk to you about sin and give you a lot of warnings mm -hmm. about that though i will make sure you understand that there is good and there is evil mm -hmm. and uh, that's that's important and I wanted to say also my granddaughter is in this one too. And my son Jacob, his, mm -hmm. his uh, three children are, are training in martial arts. So we've got three, three um, generations yep. that are happening right now. And I'm so excited about that. I, who knows how long I'm going to get to experience this. Yes, sir. But I'm loving it. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, and we don't have to... You, I can edit this out, Master Garza, if you don't want to talk about your daughter and the and how your faith got you through that. Well, I think that's important, too. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter uh, contracted cancer, and uh, she had a daughter, and during that time having the daughter, Addie, uh, she went through a battle, and uh, we thought she was going to win it, and she didn't. And, you know, her faith the things that she did and stood for during that time just so many people were blessed by that mm -hmm. i mean i just had somebody talking about it yesterday and it's she lives on through people's memories and the impact that she had in people's lives she tested to master rank mm -hmm. you know she did she did martial arts and and she did it well she taught well she she was an amazing young lady she went to a and m she graduated in four years you know she just was an amazing young lady and you know i am reminded of that in ways that that i get emotional many times but it's you know if i could have controlled it i would have 
figured out a way for her to live on, but she'll live on through our memories. Yes, sir. And my son Jacob is an amazing young man. He got his black belt, and he has three children. And then Cody has four, and Cody is Master Cody. Um, he will he will take the reins and, and and keep going with it. He's grown up to be a fine leader, and very impressed with that. Kim has been with me since day one, and uh, she's put up with a lot. Yes, sir. To put <laughs> to get us to this point, you know, she's uh, my rock. Yes, sir. And I'll tell you two funny stories. Whenever I interviewed Cody for the podcast and I mentioned to him about him taking over the reins from you. And he said that you'll take over the reins whenever you're, you're dead in the ground, pretty much your arms stretched out. You know? yeah. And, uh, and the second funny thing was, and I'm sure you heard this on the episode with Cody was I did not realize Cody was your son until a co- several weeks after i had met cody it was so funny because i i started training in late spring early summer 2018 and i think oh. y'all were open in the pearland location at oh, that yeah. time yeah so cody was very busy with that right. and not 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 so much around the dickinson league city locations and I, you know he had started coming back to class and i got to meet him and we had a lot of the same interests and so and of course and you know he's a very friendly and welcoming of course so it was easy to to build a relationship with him right. and uh he presented you with a stripe at bjj class and he called you dad and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> it was it was funny to myself right. but i know the guys at class get a kick out of that story they think it's so funny but yes sir i think it's a testament to you and the family you have raised the community you have raised around your your pma locations what uh what are your thoughts whenever you do get so much compliments on oh master garza look how much you've accomplished and you have this great family and uh you're a successful entrepreneur with you know just learning through the school of hard knocks how has how have you taken that and uh and uh, I guess my question would be not doubted yourself or, you know, or, or make sure to keep your, keep yourself humble in, in the sense, whenever you have so many people telling you how great, how great you are and have been to them. Well, first of all, you know, humility, you know, God's word says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear their prayers. I will heal their land. And I will forgive their sin, you know. And I don't, I don't take that stuff lightly. Mm. I think, I think that's really, I believe that that's true. And I, when I pray, I pray that, I, and I believe God's listening. Mm-hmm. And I, and I keep my eye on what He's doing. I don't do anything without you know, praying first and thinking about uh, about what God's doing. And I listen for His voice every single day. And if, I, if I'm ever getting prideful, I, I, my friends and my relatives have the permission to let me know mm-hmm. that I'm being that way because I don't want to be that way. Mm-hmm. I, I give 100% glory to God, without a doubt, and the people that he's surrounded me with. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that I did bring up, I could name hundreds of more over the years who have helped me. So nobody does anything alone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always been a team when I think of all the events that we've done in our, in our life, we've we've been we've done, been able to impact the martial arts community and the different communities through the martial arts and through faith-based martial arts. Mm-hmm. 
Um, when I think about all that, I think about all the teams that I've had that have been part of it. And without those teams, I couldn't have done it. Yes, sir. Nothing alone. And and like what like what other struggles you've had, not just you know through multiple cycles of the economy and you know your business of being open for fifty years, you are almost fifty years. You and I, unbeknownst to both of us, we live about a mile from each other, and. You went through Harvey just as I did, sure did. Uh, yeah. not only with your home, but with one of your business locations. And that, I would say, was that was probably up to date. The I, I don't know, looking back on it in the moment, it was the hardest situation, the scariest situation I've been through. Looking back on it, it's oh, okay, I think we handled that pretty well, but. You know, you went through the same emotions that I did, I'm sure. Of, Absolutely. Of, yeah. And so, again, God always appears. You know, he, he he doesn't just appear. He's always present. But his presence is felt more and more by, by my faith and our family faith. Uh, when Harvey hit, we had close to four foot of water here in our home. Mm-hmm. We had that also in our Dickinson location. And our Dickinson location was our newer location. Mm-hmm. But it was 10 years old at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took three months almost to the day to get reopened and completely have a new location. Mm-hmm. It was just re- completely redone. And so, you know, our family secret, the way I learned it from a study that I study, is is that, that uh, all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord and are called to his purpose. Yes, sir. And when we're called to his purpose and we say, yes, Lord, one day at a time, that's true. I mean, we got to see that come through. And I mentioned Jose Aguilar, the Aguilar family. Jose has four younger sisters, and one of them was in Mexico when we flooded. She found out, her name is Dora Bloomer and and John Bloomer, they found out we were homeless, (laughs) basically. We had gotten flooded out, and it it was on the day that we, we had escape from here mm-hmm. we had been taken over over in front of our dickinson location mm-hmm. and um she got word to us that we could go to their house and told gave us the code told us to take the upstairs at that time i don't think she realized we were going to be her house guests mm-hmm. for 14 months mm-hmm. we wanted up being there for 14 months but as i said the aguilar family is an amazing family they it was like a a uh bed breakfast and beyond i mean they took care of us like unbelievable ways and a a week before harvey hit we had had our contractor here to come through and see about knocking out walls Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and doing everything that we were going to do at that time we had a vision to do but before we could even get an estimate harvey hit we had insurance on the house Mm -hmm. We got $175,000 put into the house, and this is our dream house. I can tell you, (laughs) with your faith that you say with God will provide, and it is, uh, you know, why would this happen? We were the same way. We had almost four feet of water. But now, you know, as soon as you knock a hole in the sheetrock, it's the original 1960s wiring. So it's a wonder the house didn't burn down before right. then. And we took the opportunity of, well, we're going to knock down a wall and we're going to put in some 
decent countertops and and now we've got a home that is conducive to our growing family yeah. it's yeah and so yeah. it had in the moment it was a it was a what are we going to do and now it's a oh well it happened and we got through it and yeah. so and I, I don't know if you know we my wife and I we were married less than three months when Harvey happened. Oh, wow. So, and then we went to my dad's who, uh, had an apartment garage. We lived there for five months while repairing. So we went from a a thousand square foot home to a 400 square foot efficiency garage apartment. But you know, we, you make the best of it and you know, we, it came through stronger for it, of course. So Yes. yes. Well, the struggles that you go through make you stronger. Yes, you know, sir. They, they do. And, and I love uh, to read, and I I was given a book right before uh, the COVID hit, mm-hmm. and it was called Above the Line, mm-hmm. and it's by Urban Meyer. And basically, it's, he's, it's based on the R factor. And the R factor says E plus R equals O. Mm-hmm. That's events. Events can be negative. They can be painful events. Or they can be positive, hopeful mm. events, or they can be neutral. Mm. Um, the response, the R is to respond. You, we don't control the events. We control how we respond to those events. And the better the response, the better the outcome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've had a, a lot of opportunities to, to apply that through God's word. You know, I just, so, I mean, you think acres of diamonds. You know, when you, when you think of acres of diamonds, if you know that story, that's the way people are. Mm-hmm. We have acres of diamonds. Sometimes we have to look for that diamond inside that's a little bit rough. And sometimes we have to work with them. We have to sow into them, help them grow until they become that shining mm-hmm. diamond. Well, I think uh, a good place uh, for last question for you, last bit of your teachings is a phrase that I've heard you say multiple times is we are always sheepdogs in training, never wolves. And I think that's so appropriate with the name of this podcast with the sheepdog dad podcast and what my own opinion of what a sheepdog would be of not only protector provider, but provider in the financial world and looking for and an encourager and a source of strength and safety and so what uh how'd you how did that phrase come to you and and you implement that into your teachings well in my in my studies i ran across um some a, a description of three kinds of people there are sheep and sheep are harmless mm-hmm. You know, the the sheep are harmless. They would only hurt you by accident. But they can be a bit naive, mm. kind of like that optimist, mm. right? Uh, and then there are wolves that prey on the sheep. They just want to kill, steal, and destroy the sheep. And then there are sheepdog that protect the sheep against the wolves. Mm. So when I heard that, I just I said, well, we are sheepdog. Mm. And then what I see is that a lot of sheepdog don't train Mm. so uh, just to inspire training is we're sheepdog in training Mm -hmm. never wolves that means if i have something that i haven't dealt with in my life that's caused that's bringing the wolf out in me anger issues or whatever it might be and i'm getting destructive 
then I need to reach out for help. Mm -hmm. That's part of the training that I need. Um, and we are sheepdog in training, never wolves. So when I think about that, I think about, you know, when I'm talking to a group of people that I know up to a point, maybe I don't know that they're having a problem, but maybe that's a ministry moment. Mm -hmm. We are sheepdog in training, never wolves. And I'll, I'll offer out if you're doing anything that's causing you to be a wolf, if you got un, unhandled issues, this is a ministry moment. I'm also an ordained minister. Mm -hmm. But even if I wasn't, and before I had the title, I cared and I had wisdom to pass on to people to get them through to the other side of that kind of thing. You know, so that's what it meant to me. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to me. And when I started teaching the police academy out there, you know, I was training sheepdog. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no, no condemnation to any of them, but, you know, they get so busy, they have their life, and, and they stop training. Mm -hmm. And this is a dangerous world to be a sheepdog without training, mm -hmm. to be caught untrained and to be called to a situation and not be able to deal with it, uh, to lose a life or, or to not be able to save a life. Mm -hmm. So I think of it from that standpoint as well. We we were very involved with still training military people. I've had a, uh, that opportunity, and those are sheepdogs, mm -hmm. and I honor and respect them. I mean, I, I want that to be, you know, the way, mm -hmm. but it's not the way. Many times they're not respected, mm -hmm. and they're they're harmed. And, you know, as a man of faith, Jesus came to give us life, to give it to us abundantly. And I feel that that's why we have that abundant yeah. life in our culture here. And the, and the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. And we don't want to be anything to do with that. Well, and I, tr I don't feel I have anything that could add to that, Master Garza. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your, your message that you promote to your students, not just, not just your uh, adolescent and kid students, but even all the way to the adults. I appreciate all the coaches that you have found for PMA to spread your message whenever you're not there personally. And I look forward to many continued years of your message and training at PMA and looking forward to my kids getting old enough to, to get on the mats and, and hope that they enjoy it and, and can hear that, that message from you. Because if, if as a parent, you know, and I'm learning it now, just because I'm saying it as the parent doesn't mean that they're always going to take it in right. as as the child. Sometimes but Uncle Bob has to say the same thing. That's in right. His own words. <laughs> if you're yeah. if you're the one saying it, or Cody yeah. saying it, or any of our coaches sure. or or the guys training at yeah. PMA, then I know that they're going to get the teachings yeah. that that I want them to to have. So if I could share one word mm -hmm. with you that I would want you to add to this is that you know being a visionary is one of the gifts that I have because mm. I've always, um, you know, had long-term goals. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't do the best in describing, you know, exactly what I see to the people around me. But if they just live with me and listen to me more, they see it mm -hmm. come to fruition. And one of those things was one of my students who was a lawyer, and he took a sabbatical. And he went to Vermont, three-month sabbatical. And he invited Kim and I and my daughter Ashley mm -hmm. and a couple of friends, Bertrand and Patty McHenry, 
So we went up there for a couple of weeks, and it was on a mountain in Vermont, mm. and it was in the cold. Mm. So we are going up the mountain one day, and uh, we get to the top, and on the way up there, it starts snowing real light, and the sun starts coming out. And as I get to the top of the mountain, I'm just taking it all in, and everybody else goes on down, and I stay up there by myself, and I'm just like taking it all in, just praising the Lord. And I start having a little bit of a debate or a little bit of a questioning with God. I'm like, hey, what's up with this young whippersnapper taking a three-month sabbatical? And I start like, what about me? Kind of almost the mentality. I don't remember exact words, but anyway, after I came home from there, I was impacted, and I decided I was going to take a one-year sabbatical start traveling to the foreign countries to share the gospel on the way there and on the way back and to go study the martial arts of those countries. So I did that in 2007. Mm. And that opened the door for so many other things. And that's just one of several vision things that have gotten us one vision at a time. Mm. So as I went, I went to, to, to first to Thailand for Muay Thai. And I would spend three weeks at each event, each each country, I mean, study the martial arts of that country. Went to Brazil for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Went to China for Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. Went to the Philippines for the Filipino martial arts. And traveled around the United States. Went to Canada and to Germany and, and, and sharing the martial arts and learning from everywhere that I went. So being a student, the way I practiced that, when I was tr- promoted to 10th degree, that next Monday, we started with a new BJJ instructor here. So I started completely over mm-hmm. with BJJ as a white belt. And I was a 10th degree in, in the uh, Premier Martial Arts Organization. And I'm a second degree in Krav Maga, a second degree in Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. And now I'm also a master in the Filipino mm-hmm. arts. So again... That mon that next Monday or I think it was next it was that next Tuesday I started out as a white belt in BJJ and I loved it. I'm now a blue belt. Yes, sir. And I am still practicing, but I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. It's not about the colors of the belts; it's about the experience that we get hanging out with meeting people like you mm-hmm. and having awesome teachers that we have. Yeah. Yes, sir. And it go. It's just the phrase I'm sure you're very familiar with. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time that's around. Right. And, and so, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. That's right. And so, yeah. and my future is not sitting in a bar drink drinking, yeah. whether at home or right. or out. My future is if I have spare time. I've told my wife uh, she doesn't need to worry about me messing around on her because if I have time to do that, that means I have time to be on the mats training. So, <laughs> and so yes, and so I appreciate you. I appreciate your message. Thank you so much for taking the time for this, and I look forward to just con- many years of continued training with you. Yes, sir. So, thank you. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for joining this episode of the Sheepdog Dad podcast. Thanks especially to our guest, Al Garza. You can find Al Garza's Premier Martial Arts on Instagram and Facebook at 
Al Garza's Premier Martial Arts, and they've got several accounts for their different Premier Martial Art locations. You can also find them online at agpma.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star rating and review and sign up for our upcoming newsletter. Visit thesheepdogdad.com for more topics such as this and to sign up for our exclusive coaching service, Protect the Flock. Visit originusa.com and support American jobs and American manufacturing. Use the code JACKSON10 for 10% off all orders. That is J-A-C-K-S-O-N-1-0 for 10% off all orders at originusa.com. That's O-R-I-G-I-N-U-S-A.com. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel.